Amen. Hallelujah. It's so good to be here this weekend with all of you. As I was sitting in my chair when I first came into the hall this morning, I was looking out at all the saints who were sitting and all the saints who were coming in, and it reminded me of a children's television show when I was a child called Romper Room. Did you ever hear of Romper Room? Remember that? And what I remember about Romper Room was that the, the teacher who hosted the show would look into the camera and she would say, I see Jimmy and I see Susie and, and, and you waited for that time and if she said your name, you felt really special, like she was looking right at you through the TV. Well, I felt like her when I was sitting on my chair that I was looking at, oh, there's Jared. Wow, I see, I see Davil. I see, I see Brad. Wow, it's all the saints. Praise the Lord. Some I haven't seen in, in quite a while. So here we are in Romper Room, the garden, enjoying Jesus. Well, this morning's message is eating and drinking. We never graduate from eating, we never graduate from drinking, and we never graduate from our need to be reminded that we need to eat and to drink. And so I appreciate very much how Brother Dennis just brought us back to the beginning, brought us back to what we need most of all, and what we need is to eat Jesus. Isn't it tremendous that the Lord Jesus came as bread, as food for man, and that now we can take him in and receive him, assimilate him into our being, and we can become what he is because we are eating him, drinking him as the spirit, feeding upon him, to be his reproduction, to be the expression of God in humanity by our eating and drinking the very one who is our life and our life supply. And I also appreciated Brother Dennis reminding us that when God placed man in the garden, he gave him a command, and the command was to eat. It wasn't to study. It wasn't to work. This to me is tremendous to read the Bible and to see that the command was to eat. The command was not to do something. It wasn't to labor. It wasn't to sit at a desk and to study. But rather the command was to eat. This should be a revolution in our being to see that we have the capacity to eat, to enjoy, and to assimilate God as our food. Just tremendous. When I was probably a teenager, my mother told me about a friend that she had uh, in the 1960s. And when the United States sent a man to the moon. This friend could not understand how a man could get from the earth to the moon, not because the moon is so far away, but because this adult person 
thought all her life that we lived inside the earth. And she thought, how are we going to break through the earth to get to the moon? And I thought, my goodness, how could someone go their whole life thinking that we live inside the earth? She must have been absent on that day of school <laughs> when they taught, taught us that we live on the surface of the earth. So I can only imagine the seismic shift in this person's being when she thought, oh, we live on the surface of the earth. We're not inside the earth. Well, I think that's the kind of seismic shift that we should have when we realize God wants us to eat him. Amen. My whole life, I thought the way we serve God was to go to a worship service one morning a week. Or that we have to study and gain a lot of knowledge, and this is how we serve God. But what a seismic shift when you realize we can eat Jesus. We can be constituted with the very element of God, and that our eating is a daily matter. And so seeing that we can eat this Jesus because he has become small enough for us to eat is a revelation that should produce in us a revolution in our being. Because what we eat determines what we will express. If we eat Jesus, we will express Jesus. If we eat other things, we will, eat the thing, we will express the things that we are partaking of. As the <clears throat> first Roman numeral says, and, and we won't read through all the points on the outline, but we'll touch some of them. Eating the Lord, this is a biblical expression. It's in the Bible. And so it might be in the excerpts where someone had said to Brother Lee that he thought eating the Lord was a crude expression. Well, in our religious thought, this is something crude. In our fallen, natural, religious mind, we're quite shocked, as some of those who were with Jesus were shocked. And he spoke the word concerning eating his flesh and drinking his blood. And in John 6, it said this was a hard word for them. And it says that some of them left they, they went back to the things they'd known before. They couldn't receive the word about eating his flesh and drinking his blood because they had a natural understanding of what that meant. And then, of course, it was to the disciples that he said, the flesh profits nothing. It is the spirit who gives life. The words which I have spoken to you are spirit and are life. And so the ones who couldn't receive that difficult word, they missed. They missed what the Lord was speaking. And so today, some may say this is a crude expression. But then Brother Lee shows, well, it's in the Bible. It's in the Bible. We need to eat Jesus. Because he is the bread that came down out of heaven to give life to the world. And therefore, we must be a feasting people, an eating people who enjoy feasting on Jesus with one another. And as we feast, 
as we eat, we are made spiritually healthy. But when we're eating the wrong food, we will become spiritually sick. In Genesis 21, I was revisiting this portion. There are two wells as two sources of living. And I won't go through the story here, but just to make a couple of points from it, there was the well of Ishmael. And Ishmael, by drinking of that well, which was in the wilderness, became a certain kind of person. He was an archer, meaning someone who does not cultivate life, but rather kills life. He drank this in the wilderness, and his mother took for him a wife from Egypt, indicating that he became joined to Egypt. So when we eat, when we drink from the wrong source, the issue is that the life in us is frustrated. We become wild and we can be joined to the world. And then the expression is not the expression of God, but it's the expression of that other source. And so the issue, one issue of drinking from the wrong source, we can say eating from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, is wildness. Do you ever have the sense that there's just something wild in your being, when you haven't eaten the Lord, this is really my experience. There's just a sense of wildness in the mind, wildness in the emotion, loving the world, getting drawn to the world. But the opposite of wildness is regulation. When you look in the Gospel of Matthew, the Gospel on Jesus being the King Savior, how did he exercise his kingship? How did he rule? It was by feeding. It wasn't wild. It was orderly. He had the disciples have the people recline in an orderly way and to give them the bread and the fish, he fed them. And when we eat Jesus, there's a divine regulation in our being. There's order brought in. But when we eat from the wrong source, there's a sense of wildness in our inner being, wildness even in our expression. But then there's another well, that's the well of Isaac, and that well, and you can read it in Genesis 21, was a redeemed well. It was covenanted water. And drinking from the well of Isaac produces us to be a burnt offering. And Isaac was offered up in type, as it says, but that was a, a real offering, a real transaction. And that mountain, Mount Moriah, became Mount Zion, where God's habitation was built. So when we drink from the proper source, it produces within us, it produces a burnt offering. It produces something for the building of the house of God. 
It produces in us the expression of Christ. So, as our brother Ron has shared with us many times, source determines outcome. What is our source? What is the source that we're eating and drinking from? Well, this conference is a conference with a view of those who are the working saints. And as working ones, you're at a stage in your life, the same stage that I'm in in my life, most of you, which is that you're married. You have children. Some may not yet be married, but you still are uh, involved in your employment. Perhaps some of you are serving full time. But you're in a stage of life that is exceedingly busy. And there's the struggle daily to find the time to meet all the needs of work, of family, of the church life. And our eating can be the first thing that is sacrificed. And we can become quite condemned because we realize that we're not eating as we should. But there's two aspects here. In my experience, I have the conviction that, Lord, I don't feel that I eat enough. I think we all can echo that. But on the other side, I like to tell the enemy, Satan, that he's a liar. No, I do eat, and I'm learning to eat more. I don't want to let the enemy strip away the fact that, no, I do eat Jesus. And yes, I absolutely believe in the organic process in my inner being that is transforming me by eating him as the heavenly bread. But I realize I miss a lot of opportunities throughout the day to eat Jesus. But aren't you encouraged by Brother Dennis's fellowship that there are ways that we eat Jesus that maybe we don't even realize we're eating Jesus, calling on the name of the Lord? In your excerpts, you'll see, maybe it was in the first set, I can't remember, that calling on the Lord is to eat Jesus. We may feel, I'm only eating Jesus when I'm with my Bible, pray reading the word, then I'm eating Jesus. And I can't eat Jesus when I'm at my job because I can't be pray reading the Bible as I'm at my work. But actually, as we're just inwardly calling, we're just inwardly praying, we're just contacting the Lord, we're receiving him into us. And this is our eating of Jesus at our job. We're eating Jesus. I feel this is so liberating to see that I can eat Jesus at any moment and in any situation by just freshly receiving him into me through my fresh contact with him and to have him dispensed into me as my enjoyment and as my life supply. And some of you are mothers, perhaps young mothers with small children. And you may feel that in this major change in your life, 
There's so much in your situation that is working against you being able to eat Jesus. But as you're rocking your child to sleep, as you're going about the day picking up the toys, you can be inwardly contacting the Lord, calling on the Lord. Perhaps there's a verse that's just brewing in your being, and you just begin to pray the verse. You just pray the verse as you're taking care of your daily affairs. And of course, there are at times the discouragements that come in because the enemy is always wanting us to stop eating. So he'll raise up situations, raise up circumstances to distract us, to draw us away. And when our eating suffers, our living suffers. Our spiritual health suffers. One time many years ago, uh, Brother Dennis's uncle, Howard Higashi, shared something. And you know, there's the verse in Isaiah, he sustains the weary with a word, right? You ever been just sustained in your weariness by a word? By just a word. And this word never left me. It's very simple. But he said... That when you don't feel like eating, that's when you have to eat. That there are some, and Brother Dennis reminded me of this, there are some sicknesses where it's the eating that cures you. So you may feel that you, you're too tired to eat. You, you, you don't have the appetite to eat. And his point was appetite. You may feel you don't have an appetite to eat. And when you feel you don't have an appetite to eat, that's when you need to force yourself to eat. We need to eat. And as you eat, this was the point that really struck me. As you, as you eat, your appetite will be restored. And so we just need to exercise to eat by reading the word, by praying, by praying with the word, even by calling another saint to shepherd. There's just, there's just the opening of our being to receive more of this Jesus into us in all of our daily circumstances, in all of our daily situations. I was also impressed in considering this matter of the eating. Hosea 11. And <clears throat> there it speaks of Israel and them being drawn with cords of a man with bands of love. And the Lord says he would lift the yoke off of them and it would cause them, gently cause them to eat. And so his love is divine. God is love, yet it reaches us through the cords of a man, through his incarnation, his human living, his death, his resurrection. We're brought into this relationship with the Lord through the love of God, drawing us through the cords of a man, through the bands of love. And his desire is to lift off the yoke. And the yoke there in Hosea is referring to the bondage under Pharaoh. The Lord released them from their bondage, brought them into the wilderness, and gently caused them to eat. I really appreciated Brother Dennis encouraging us that 
the Lord doesn't condemn us. He brings us back to eat again. Maybe we haven't eaten the Lord in a little while, but the Lord doesn't condemn. He draws us so gently, so lovingly to eat again, to just eat. And when we eat, we are restored. Our joy is restored through our eating and through our drinking of this Jesus. And as we are eating, as we are enjoying this Christ, the divine element is being constituted into our inner being. And so just as in the human realm, there is the process of digestion, so in the spiritual realm, there is the spiritual digestion. I've always, I've always been helped by this illustration in the ministry that when we eat physical food, if we are aware of the process of digestion in our stomach, that means we have indigestion. Because with normal healthy digestion, you're not conscious of the process of digestion. It's an organic metabolism. It's taking place in your, in your body. The food is being broken down. It's supplying, getting into the blood cells to supply the whole body. So when we eat Jesus, we may not be so conscious, but actually there's a spiritual digestion going on in our inner being. And we are being supplied by the one whom we are eating. And so this thought is just, it's tremendous that by eating God, by eating Jesus, we are being transformed through the process of a spiritual, organic metabolism in our inner being. And of course, we all know the expression, you are what you eat. And <clears throat> this became very real to me and I've, I've shared this a number of times because it was such a real experience to me that when I was single and was working full-time as a, as a teacher and living in the brother's house, I didn't have the energy, the strength to go home and make food for myself very often. So, because if, are, are there any school teachers here? Yeah, okay, Laura, yeah. Okay, blessed are you. <laughs> when I would finish the school day, I, teaching is such a stressful profession, and I was so exhausted. All I could do was go to a restaurant and eat, go to the brother's house and lie down on the couch and fall into a deep sleep. That's all I could do. <laughs> and... I got into some bad eating habits, so I had a bad expression. And if I didn't eat in the morning before I left the house, those kids were in for a bad day. Because Mr. Espinosa was going to be very irritable. And the children of Israel were very irritable. They murmured, they reasoned why, because they weren't being supplied, they weren't eating, they weren't drinking, they weren't being fed. And so they, they were hungry. They needed, they needed to eat. But then when I got married, praise the Lord for marriage. Marriage is a wonderful thing. 
I married a sister who was born and raised in Peru. And in Peru, they, they, buy, the, they buy their bread fresh every morning. They eat all natural. You know, there's no, none of this frozen stuff. You know, they don't live off of fast food. So I started to have a different eating. I, I married my wife. And I told her in the, in the beginning when we were married, I said, I am going to eat what you prepare but you have to allow me the liberty to go get a hamburger every once in a while. <laughs> because I knew I couldn't just break the hamburger habit right away. So it took time. And I was drinking a lot of caffeinated sodas. But then as I, as I got married, my wife would do water or juice, very healthy cooking. And you know, I hope this doesn't, um, doesn't uh, offend anybody, but sometimes, when men get married, they gain weight because, because their, their wives are, are, are cooking wonderful meals. But in my case, I lost weight because I was eating healthy. And I realized this matter of constitution is real. It's real. And then eventually, I'd be drinking water and juice. My taste for the caffeinated soda just like went away. And after about six months, I drank half a can of Pepsi, and I was up all night with a headache, and my heart was racing. <laughs> the caffeine had gotten purged out of my system, and I picked up a new element, a new constitution. So the matter of reconstitution is real physically as a picture of the divine reality. So as we eat Jesus, we're getting reconstituted. We're getting healthy. And we can never eat too much Jesus. But I've had this thought before. I just wish I could just eat one meal in the morning and not have to eat again during the day. I could get so much more done. It would just be really, wouldn't that, wouldn't that just streamline your life? But of course, that goes against all medical advice, right? You have to eat three times a day. That's by God's ordination. Well, so it is in the spiritual realm. We need to eat Jesus throughout the day. Otherwise, our appetite will be for other things. And this is all of our experience. In Exodus 12, there's the matter of the Passover lamb. And again... A word, just a word that impressed me so deeply many years ago was that when the children of Israel ate that Passover lamb, they had to eat the whole thing, even the head. And so by eating that head, that shows us eating Christ as our wisdom, as the wisdom of God. Even we, we gain the divine eyesight through our eating of Jesus to see our way out of the Satan-corrupted maze of the world. It was through eating that lamb that they got out of Egypt. They were supplied. They got out of Egypt. There's a line here from the excerpts for this message. We are delivered from the world by being fed with Christ. Isn't that your experience? Being fed with Christ. As we're fed with Christ, our taste for the worldly things just drops. And then we're picking up this new constitution. Roman 3 here says, or sorry, Roman 1, I want to read A and B. To eat is to take food into us that it may be assimilated organically into our body. 
And B, hence to eat the Lord Jesus is to receive him into us that he may be assimilated by us in the way of life. Now we'll just skip to three. The result of eating and drinking the Lord in John 6, having eternal life, having an abiding union with the Lord, and living because of the Lord. So in our eating, we're enjoying the eternal life, the life of God. We're enjoying and strengthening our experience of the organic union with the Lord. And we are living by what we eat. And when you live by what you eat, people see in you a different expression. When you live by Christ as your food, they see an expression, the expression of Christ. They may not know what it is, but they sense there's something different about this person. There's something different in that person in that cubicle. He or she is not like the other employees here. And they may come to you when they have a time of suffering, of crisis, because they realize you're a different kind of person. And they want what you have because you're eating, you're eating a food that they may not know of. And you can share that food with them by sharing them with them Jesus as the bread of life. So daily, we need to eat to overcome. And we need to overcome to eat. It's so simple, but we're so complicated Well, I wanted to share with you uh, a portion from Brother Nee's ministry that I find very encouraging. And this is a portion that maybe some of you have read before, where he talks about Satan's work to wear out the saints of the Most High. This is in Daniel chapter 7, verse 25. Satan does not issue one sharp blow, typically, because then we would recognize this is the enemy, and then we can resist. Perhaps in our natural strength, we can resist for a time. But Satan's way is little by little, day by day, to wear out the saints of the Most High. And so it's imperceptible. We may not even recognize that it's happening. But he takes a little sleep from us today, a little more the next day, and we're being worn out physically. He can wear out our heart, wear out our consecration. He can even wear out our spirit. I'd like to read to you, it's a couple of portions Because in speaking of our eating, there's really a fight. The enemy does not want us to eat. And so he'll work to cause us to stop eating. What does it mean to wear someone out? It means to exhaust a person minute by minute, some today and some tomorrow. The wearing out goes on invisibly, yet in a debilitating way. It goes on imperceptibly, yet the end is total depletion and waste. So this is the tactic of the enemy. Whether you're 
serving full-time in a job-dropping capacity, or you're serving full-time, you're a full-timer with a job, or you're a full-time mother, this is our experience, is the enemy is always there trying to wear us out. And <clears throat> Brother Nee continues, this is why the Bible says that the love of many will, quote-unquote, grow cold. It's over time. Just a little turning down of the heat of our love for the Lord, for the word, for the church life, for the meetings. A little bit, turn down the heat a little bit more the next day, a little bit more the next day. Now the children come. We've got children. Now turns down more, more. Got to take care of the kids' needs. Can't go to the meetings. Can't read the Bible. Can't shepherd a saint. Down more and more. We're, we're all susceptible to this. And he says, the girl, who, the girl who was possessed by a spirit of Python cried out, quote, for many days. Just a harassment. When Festus wanted money from Paul, he sent for him, quote, frequently and conversed with him. And Paul was called frequently to go speak with Festus. For two years, and eventually, no record that Festus was ever saved. It was just a trying to wear out Paul, just wear him out. Delilah pressed Samson, quote, every day with her words. Satan wears out God's children gradually, repeatedly, frequently, and daily. And... <clears throat> The effect of the wearing out is that we become weary, we become discouraged. And so, again, we all face this, whatever your particular personal circumstances are. We all face this. And <clears throat> we need to eat to overcome Satan's pernicious, evil, wearing out work. Because when we eat, we're strengthened. When we eat, we're supplied. When we eat, we have the energy spiritually to continue in the things of the Lord and to give our time, to give our lives, to take the way of the Lord in his recovery. I just want to read to you this other portion. Satan also tries to wear out man's spirit. He takes away your prayer little by little. He takes away your trust in God little by little. If Satan struck God's children with a powerful blow all at once, they could withstand him because they would realize that it was the work of Satan. But his most evil work is not to strike just one blow, but to wear you out over a long period of time. He causes God's children to fall behind little by little and backslide little by little. This is the way Satan wears out God's children. Of course, there are so many things in our human lives that require us to manage our time, to take care of the different needs that need to be met. And we can uh, be overzealous uh, sometimes and wear ourselves out because we're trying to do too much. But don't Again, appreciate Brother Dennis's fellowship. 
our home life and our church life are not two separate lives. Our home life is a life in the church life. Our homes are for Christ and the church. Our children are for Christ and the church. And so we don't live two lives, but rather every day of our lives is a life lived in and for God's eternal economy. And we do need to uh, monitor our health and these kinds of things, our energy. And if we try to do too much, we'll feel the effect of that. But then we're just seeking the Lord. Lord, I'd like to just be under your limitation. But we should be encouraged that by our daily eating of Jesus, we are strengthened to live this life in all of our circumstances, whatever they may be. Whether you're single, you're married, whether you're married without children or you're married with children, the principle never changes. That is that we need to eat Christ as the bread of life. We need to drink him as the spirit, as the river of water of life. And I wanted to read you another portion. This will be the last portion that I'll read, but it's a little bit lengthier. But I, I do think this will be quite encouraging to you. There's a verse in Judges chapter 8 that Brother Nee references here that has been a, uh, something that has helped me remind, I, I think of it from time to time. <clears throat> and that is that Gideon and his 300 men are said to be weary yet pursuing or fainting yet running. Do you ever feel that you are weary? That with all of the demands on your time, you're faint? And yet, in the midst of our weariness, our faintness, we can be strengthened to continue running the race because we're eating Jesus. And by our eating, we can continue to run and to be brought unto maturity for the completion of God's eternal economy. This is Brother Nee. It's just it's three paragraphs. One of the most dreadful things in the race toward the kingdom is being weary and faint in the soul. The soul is the organ of the emotion, mind, and will. Growing, quote, weary, fainting in your souls, this is Hebrews 12.3, means being without strength in the soul. The will becomes paralyzed, the feeling cools down, and the mind loses interest. Everything seems to be vain, and we allow everything to take its natural course. One of the greatest temptations in running the race is that when all the things against us have swamped us, and we are unable to resist them, we simply give in to them and refuse to run seriously anymore in order to gain the heavenly crown. In the previous portion I was reading from, Brother Nee speaks of being disgusted with the wearing out work of Satan. We have to be disgusted with it. We have to speak it. I'm disgusted with this. Satan, I don't receive the wearing out work. I reject it. There has to be a disgust. As Paul got disgusted with the harassment, he got disgusted to where he turned to that girl and he spoke. We have to have a sense of disgust that the enemy would try to rob us 
of our eating of the Lord by causing us to be faint unto giving up. If we are willing to consider the Lord Jesus and examine his experience, we will not give in in this way. Gideon and his 300 men were faint yet pursuing. We ought to be faint yet running. May we all be persons who run the race. May we all be running until the end. Even if we are hurt, offended, misunderstood, and rejected while running, we still have to cheer up and run the race unwearily for the sake of the Lord Jesus. Now, this part is very encouraging. Maybe you feel like you're, you're one of these. You feel like you've just fallen and you're having a hard time getting up. Maybe you're coming to this conference this weekend is your exercising to get up. <clears throat> who receives the most praises in a race? It is the one who is hurt, who rises up again, and who finally wins the first place. This person will surely receive unceasing praises. Therefore, being hurt and suffering are not a problem. Even failing is not a problem. The one who falls down and rises up again is still the best runner. Brothers and sisters, today we are all in the race. Nothing counts today. Everything will receive its final judgment at the end of the race. We should not give up, become weary, or faint in our soul for any reason. We ought to look unto Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, and run the race set before us. And so in coming to the conference this weekend, I believe that all of you are, you're hungry. You're seeking the Lord. But also, we all know that we need to be brought back to the beginning. We need to eat. We need to be supplied. And as we're supplied day by day, there will be a change in our inner being. And as we're supplied, that strengthening within becomes within us the sustenance that we need to overcome the weariness that we may feel at times. I'm staying in hospitality with Sam and Jane Chambers, and last night they were telling me about their, their dog is 14 years old. That's an old dog. And doesn't have the spring in his step that he used to. But then they started giving him this special food. And Jane said, the dog is running. The dog runs now. The dog runs again from this special food. And I thought, well, I need some of that. <laughs> so eating and eating the right food makes a difference. It makes a difference. And in our eating, remember, we are taking in the element of God himself. It's through this transformation that we are being deified, becoming God in life and in nature, not in the Godhead, not as an object of worship, but as the expression of what God is in Christ. And so our eating is not 
merely to strengthen us, to supply us. Actually, our eating is to eat for God. It's to eat God for God. It's to eat God to fulfill his eternal economy. And there's a wonderful portion. I was astonished when I read it. It's in your excerpts where it says, all the problems in our family life are because we don't eat the Lord Jesus enough. You're having problems with your teenagers? Eat the Lord Jesus and everything will get better. I mean, that's what it says. And I believe it. So I realize I have teenagers. Lord, I need to eat not only for me. I need to eat for them. I need to eat Jesus for my wife. Not that we can eat for another person, but that we eat, that the other person receives the benefit of our eating. I receive the benefit of my wife's eating. My wife is a faithful eater. Every night when when we're lying in bed, she reads the Bible, she reads the ministry book every night without fail. It's a real pattern to me because my inclination may be to reach for something else. But then my wife is right there reading the word. So sisters, you can be a great encouragement to your husband by eating. Husbands, you can be a great encouragement to your wives by eating. And as you eat together, you are strengthened to run the race that is set before all of us, but with a view not just for our personal going on merely, but that the Lord's body would be built up, that God's economy would be consummated, that by living by the right source, we would have the right expression, the right consummation. And so our eating today makes all the difference for what God is doing on the earth today. So I think the brothers would like to have us read the excerpts. I'm sorry, I might have gone a little bit longer than I intended, but the excerpts are a bit shorter for this message and then maybe have a bit of overflow according to how the brothers direct us.